3: as for my question, to kind of piggyback on what Lucas has been kind of echoing on his Twitter and Twitch, that Kamavinga should now start over chuamini I agree with that. But now this raises the question, is Kama a 6 or an 8? And now similarly, if you put him and chuamini who takes what? Because Kamavinga has been pretty good at the 6 also now, but I still think his ceiling is at an 8. What do you think? Do you want to go first. Yeah, I got a clear answer on this. Um, the
4: reason he looked viable like a six is because we were playing this stupid team that doesn't know how <laughs> to defend. I, I, I actually, will, I think he's an eight. I think he's an eight in 90% of games. I think I saw Lucas's tweet. I thought that was a bit of an overreaction to the fact that we played this team that brings James Milner off the bench, that presses weird, or even though they're tired. I think Kama looked amazing against this team in this context. I am not as confident in him as, in him as a six. I think Truameni is a phenomenal six. I think what Camavinga made the case for is more minutes as an eight, though.
2: Hmm.
3: It's it's a great question, Varun. I it's so to me, first of all, they, there's no absolutely no reason why they can't coexist, and we've seen them together. And I think it's even early on the season when they had barely played e- with each other, apart from some small minutes in the French national team. Not even really because Kamavinga wasn't part of it. Um, They they can coexist easily. I and I put first of all you can put them in double pivot, but if you have to play them together, Chu Many would be the six to me. But one cool wrinkle is that they can be interchangeable in the game. Like we saw glimpses of Kamavinga and Fede being interchangeable today, and I think Kamavinga and Chu Many would have that understanding as well. The other thing is one thing that I like him better in the eight is is he can carry the ball more from that position. Um. Like we didn't see too many ball carrying runs because he was stationed a little bit deeper today, but I I, I still see him as an eight because I think he can do more damage offensively from that position while still holding his defensive um, ability. But also again, I think Chu Many and Kamavinga can be interchangeable in that situation. I don't see it that black and white where it's like Kamavinga's now a six, now Chu Many screwed. Like I, I I I think they both they both have a really important place in the team. Is how I see it. Agreed. Agreed. Thanks, Farun. Always nice having you on, my friend. Stay yep. safe Cheers, in California. Guys. All right, man. Nader, how are you? Oh, you're on mute. Can you unmute? Hi, guys. Hi, welcome. Hi, how are you doing?
2: That's it. Good. Thanks. Hey, I have a, a quick question and actually a comment as well regarding the uh, statistics and the XG and all shots on the goal and stuff like that. Um it might be a little convoluted, so I don't know if we want to go there or not. But let me just do my question first. This is a real simple one. Do you guys think that we should have actually gone for the six after the five and, you know, just put them to bed? Uh, it felt like that those guys were ready to go at that point. They just had given up. It was all gone. And there were more likelihood of us scoring the sixth than their scoring the third. Unfortunately, I think we started just doing like a training exercises and we were just kind of giving the ball away and there was still a lot of time left and we just gave the ball away all the time. And I was worried and very thankful that they didn't pull one back. And instead of being up by three, we, you know, we would have been down up by two and it would, have, you know, I, by the way, I agree with you that it's not a dumb deal. Anything can happen. So it's much better to be up by three than being up by two, but it would have been even better. We could have been put the tie away at four. It just seemed like it, we just kind of started playing around and giving them a chance to to just maybe pull one back. And they came close to pulling one back. It would have been a shame to do that. I was wondering what uh, you guys' thoughts are on that. Yeah,
4: yeah I, I, Go ahead. I I mean, I just, I just did think that at 5-2, I'm like, where's the sixth? And I saw the game petered out, and I was like, all right, well, you could have a sixth. The difference, I will only say the difference between me and Kian is I still don't think there's a shot next week. I think, like, they're the type of team that could go up 2-0, and then they'll be exhausted. We can still get at them. And so I'm not concerned we didn't get a sixth, but I did think we could have got a sixth. They, they, we were, they were there for the taking for sure.
3: What can can they just bring back away goals just for this one game? Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be nice. That would that would really cement it for me. Like, okay, yeah. now I feel like pretty. I mean, I, I look. Don't get me wrong, Sid. I'm not saying it's it's not happening. I'm I'm saying it's like just ninety five percent. But I'm still that five percent. We've seen crazy things happen. That's all I'm saying. Well, um, let's
2: see what happened with the Chelsea. Remember, we were up yeah. by three goals and then, you know, so, we were almost and, done. And
3: Juve, you remember Juve? A
4: few Juve, years ago? exactly.
2: Juve, even yeah. worse. Yes. No. Yeah, I'd say
4: Chelsea is the perfect example. Chelsea were just like legitimately better coach than I think this team will be next week. That's my honest opinion. We'll see. We will see for sure. But Chelsea, if you remember, Tuchel, man, he had them ripping through Nacho and like they were ripping Nacho to shreds. I actually watched some of the automatisms from the Chelsea tie that Chelsea put together to go up 3-0. And they knew exactly where to attack, how to attack, when to attack, everything down. And they were also fatigued, like Liverpool. So it's really, uh, the question is if Klopp can get it right tactically. But um, yeah, there's always a chance for sure. It's sports, for sure. I don't want to rule out probability.
5: So I actually, as is the tradition, I'm going to be the uh, complainer-in-chief and party cooper. Uh, you're five-two ahead in Anfield, and you have so you have so many minutes left, uh, and you have three substitutions left. I understand why you have to bring in Osencio and uh, Ceballos. uh Why do you have to bring in Cruz and in such a such a late moment in the game? He doesn't need more experience in Europe uh he doesn't need to like get ready for for the next game get fit he just he's actually just recovering from a flu why not bring some of the kids uh like alvaro and Arribas. uh which that, that actually that kind of pissed me off that until they did that and we actually didn't use our fifth substitute uh and also guys like come on this tie is done like this is done at Bernabeu. We're going to have a eight minute comeback after we fall uh, behind 3
6: 0. But
3: we know it. Yeah, I think it's a fair point to say that Cruz didn't need to come in at 5 2. Ayn Chalati would probably argue that, you know, it's never over and we play our best players and we can't risk anything. Uh, just a small, not, I'll just say like what I think the club's perspective was that, you know, one of our good friends, Arancha Rodriguez, had reported that Cruz had uh, had spoken to Ancelotti and the coaching staff today and said, like, I'm literally 110%. There's no reason for me not to play. Um, I'm fine. I really want to play. So there's that aspect of it. One thing that I was that was interesting to me, and, and also, like, whether we like it or not, I think players of that stature probably have a say and they get to decide. But one thing that was interesting to me is that during the warm-ups, kind of was apparent to me that no matter what happened, the kids were not going to get on. Because while the the rest of the team was training vigorously in the warm-ups and just preparing and shooting and doing rondos and stuff, uh, Mario Martin, Sir Arribas and uh, 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 Alvaro were just in the corner just passing it and just talking to each other and not involved at all. Like, it just kind of like... Put like a uh, planted a seed in my brain that said like okay this is predetermined these guys are only here for fun for experience just to be see what it's like but they're they're not gonna play no matter what uh, which obviously I disagree with. <laughs> but uh, yeah I would have liked to have seen them come on it would have been really cool to to see these guys come on and and I actually think you know back to Nutter's point should we have scored six or at least try to have scored six I can almost guarantee you that if Aribas or Alvaro is going to go get on the field, they're just going to put their foot on the pedal and like accelerate, like no matter what they're just going to try.. Uh, I yeah. don't know if you have any thoughts Sid.
4: no, I agree with you. Um, however, what you said about Cruz and being hundred ten percent ready explains everything in my opinion. you if he's hundred ten percent ready, then you probably are itching to give him give him twenty minutes at the end because he told you he's ready. Um, yeah, I also don't think they expected it to go that well where they thought they could bring the youngsters on at Anfield up 5-2 and go for a sixth. I don't think anyone thought that would happen today, but we were in that weird situation. And sometimes things are too premeditated where you get to that moment in the game. You've had all these conversations. You've got all these players to warm up. You can't change it and bring on the young guys even if it's the right choice.
3: Yeah. Shay, thank you, man. Appreciate you logging on as usual. We love you, man. Thanks. We're going to move to Patrick Sloat. Patrick, you there? Hey guys, can
1: you hear Damon. me? Yes, we can. Give, give me one second. Let me go outside of Liverpool bar is where I'm at. Sorry. <laughs> okay. It's no secret. I don't like Liverpool at all. I I, well, I wait, think... go
3: back, go back in the bar and say it again.
1: <laughs> well no, they heard me. I've been talking about it for the last hour and a half. <laughs> so I, I, I do have a question real quick before I get into the game. You, Killian, you were at the game, right? You were in Anfield. Yes, yeah. Were there were there fans making excuses like they usually do when they lose?
3: Uh, okay, so I'll just say uh, my experience tonight was actually really pleasant with the fans. I, okay, like so, I don't know. I think there's probably the Liverpool Twitter fan base that we're used to, and maybe our own friends. But tonight it was really they were pretty classy. Uh, they they applauded Modric coming off the field and Benzema coming off the, the field. There was a nice moment uh, as everyone was leaving the stadium after the game where the Real Madrid fans were, started to chant Liverpool. Leave Liverpool! Liverpool! And they'll, okay. they'll, and every all the Liverpool fans who were leaving the stadium, they just stopped, they turned around, they looked at them and they just applauded. There's a lot of, res- I think, mutual respect between these two teams. And that was, that's this is just kind of an aside now, Patrick, but that's what struck me as like, oh. oh that's a surprise. Is what, this is what it's like outside of Spain.
1: Like, because... Because my experience with Liverpool fans is when Liverpool loses, they never lose. It's somebody else's fault. That's their man, <laughs> Jurgen Klopp. It's like and, – and, 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 okay, I know you guys are a little pessimistic. Look, this is done. When when Luka Modric at 37 once again turns back the clock of time, I even doubted it. He's outperforming all their midfielders. This thing is finished. It is. It, it's, and the key to the game to me is even though they would drop 2 nothing. The, the the second goal was a gift. Let's be honest. If, if Courtois yeah. just picks it up, it, there's no first, there's no second goal. Yep. And, and and what really sealed it to me was when uh and excuse me, I've been drinking a little bit, so if I'm stuttering, I apologize because I've been celebrating for about four hours now. <laughs> um, when Vinicius scored his second goal, it reminded me of Benzema in 2018 when we went up one nothing off carius when he threw the ball and Benzema just stuck out his knee and it went in the net.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like it was like it, the mentor had finished teaching the Pentees.
1: Right. And 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 then Benzema gets the goal off the deflection and then he has the, the solid goal in in, in the, the the last one he scored. This thing is done. I know you guys are okay, maybe Real Madrid might score like the 190th minute and and go on, but this, this to me it's done because yeah. we have younger midf- younger midfielders playing. As long as there's a veteran playing with two guys with legs, as far as I'm concerned, this one's finished. And every, I agree. every every season there is a game that Madrid plays out of nowhere they get a victory. You don't expect it, it's something, and then it triggers something. I'm not saying we're gonna catch Barca in, in La Liga, but I'm also but guess what? This is that game that just happened. So we're gonna get something we're not expecting. So I'm not saying I, we're gonna. I mean, I'm just excited about it. I'm 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 just I'm just look, this to me is this is done, and we're moving on to the quarterfinal.
4: No, I'm I'm with you. I just want to say the I'm with you, but the reason I'm with you and the, the fact that it's done is exactly why I'm not as convinced this is the game that takes us to Greater Horizons. It's because um Liverpool aren't coming back, they just don't have the players. But um there is a possibility, just a slim possibility that we don't face a team that plays as dumb ever again in this competition this year. And yeah.
1: I last time I talked to Killian. I mean, I've been on here and listening, but I haven't. I've been I've been working overtime, so I've been able to to, to do as much Zoom. But it was maybe October I talked to him, and I questioned like FIFA. All of a sudden, like we're doing well in the Champions League, and we have to play Liverpool as opposed to a lower-seeded team, because I, I I do think there's a conspiracy to get us out of the Champions League. But at this point, bring them on, because I mean, no one saw five-two coming. I know I didn't. But I mean, it looked like they were having so much fun on the pitch tonight. That it's like I haven't seen them play like that since beginning of the season. I mean, they were having fun. It was getting to the point where they were embarrassing with the with the control of the ball in the midfield. They were embarrassing Liverpool on their home pitch.
3: Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. I mean, it was um, one of those. And and I I know said you're gonna downplay Liverpool and stuff, <clears throat> say they weren't good, but. Sometimes games like this is what you need to click in yeah. mentally for the rest of the season. When the when the stronger opponents come, you have some confidence now to to go at them with a different kind of swag and um, a, a, just some mental fortitude.
1: Uh, I, I just got I just got one last point, and then I'll yeah. get off because there are other people who want to get on. Nacho should not be on the bench the rest of the season.
4: Oof, that's a I, tough one to say because I mean.
1: The guy – look, the guy can play center back, left back, right back. He might not be the best at those positions, but if somebody gets past him, the guy's going down. And Salah went down a couple of times in the second half and didn't – that was it. Yeah. You didn't hear – you didn't see him the rest of the game.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Patrick, and, we, we we had a big uh, nacho segment earlier. You should definitely go back and listen to this, we, too. We, we were oh, all I, – like, I
1: saw it. I saw okay. it. I just wanted to give the man his props.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he deserves it. I mean, and look at – if it's down to Alaba being not a hundred percent fit or nacho, it's nacho ten times out of ten for me. No question.
1: hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. Para Madrid. Thanks Take care Patrick. of yourself. I'll see you in the quarterfinals.
3: All right, bro. Uh, um, the uh uh the lead remontada discussion. Uh again, this is kind of this is where I'll bring some math into it. Barça are conceding a lot of good good clear cut chances against their opponent. It's crazy that they I mean they, they their defense has been amazing, don't get me wrong, unless they play a big team like Manchester United or Bayern Munich or Inter Milan or Real Madrid. Um but they they're also we're looking at the math. They've conceded over double the expected goals that they've actually conceded. They've conceded way more chances than that. Opponents are just not taking their chances against them. That's one. Um, If we're to come back in the league, I'm going to say you guys are ruling out Liverpool coming back against Real Madrid. I'm going to say something that uh, is maybe more daring. I don't know. I'm ruling out us winning the league. I am too. Okay. If we come back and win the league, I'll still celebrate it like a madman. And I don't care who who says Keon Keon was wrong. uh, I'll be the first to say Keon was wrong. But I will say this: if it were to have, if we were to have any hope of doing the impossible and doing something no other team in, in no other Real Madrid side in their history has ever come back from this deficit at this stage of the season, it's Barça slip. Then you go into the Clásico with five points instead of eight. Then you beat Barça. Now it's two points. Now we have something to work with here. But until that point, I'm I'm not ready to have that discussion.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think what's really notable here is that um, I think we can beat Barcelona head to head. I think we can beat them in the Copa Semis. I think we can win enough games to stick around in the league race. The problem is in a lot of these games where Barcelona are conceding more expected goals, but not goals. Spain has been stripped of all its forward talent. There's no like like a lot of the no
3: one can punish this team. That's the thing. You're right. No one can punish them not in La Liga.
4: But then you go to Europe and like it becomes obvious that their coaches. Kind of a maniac with how high he holds the line, and Lautaro, a mediocre Inter team, exposes it really easily. Um, So yeah, I'm with you. I don't think we win, but um, it's because I I think they're gonna hit 100 points because the strikers won't punish them. I what think they'll get the
3: super point. league. We'll see how many how many titles they win.
4: I think that's I saw a really funny tweet today saying um, I don't want a super league because I don't want to see Real Madrid remontadas every week, and I thought that was kind of funny. I do think Real would play harder. Every week in a Super League. And I do think tactically, it's a better fit for a team like us than someone like Barcelona, who's used to like flat track bullying another team, fine nil. And that's how they make their bread and butter. I think, uh, I actually think we would be a disproportionately good Super League team, even if we don't change tactics.
3: Yeah, it's a discussion for another day. Um, All right, we're going to bring Praxina. Praxina, are you there?
7: Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm here.
3: Welcome, how are okay,
7: you? good, thanks for taking my question.
3: Of course.
7: <laughs> I'm not sure my camera is not working. <laughs> I'm trying to make it work, but either way, I'm really happy for the win. I have just three questions for you guys. I just feel like um, for Rudiger, I just feel um, scammed in a sense that I felt like he was more aggressive, you know, on the ball against players, like going after players. And I feel like since the start of the season, I haven't seen that aggression from him. I feel like he's so passive, you know? And I feel we could use that aggression. Like even today, once Salah passed um, Alaba a few times, I just feel like Rudiger could have been a bit more aggressive. That would be one thing. I don't know if you guys already covered it. And second thing, I was wondering if you guys all agree that uh, Vinny should get the number seven shirt in, in, future, in the future, um, in the coming season. And uh, that was one more question, if you guys want to answer it. Yeah, go
3: for it. Yeah.
7: Um, yeah. I, I, what is this? Um Actually, actually, go go with the two questions first, and then we'll see if we have time.
3: Uh, okay. For so sure. the first one was about Rudiger. Sid, your thoughts? Uh, Militao
4: plays the role uh, that Rudiger did on Chelsea, being the aggressive bully. So Rudiger has to take a little bit of a step back, is what I'm seeing. Because he they played well today, all things considered, and um, Rudiger still didn't play as aggressively as Militao. And that's where um, I think Militao is the sweeper, or sorry, there's the sweeper stopper at center back. Um, the stopper is the one who goes aggressively and tackles. I think that's Militao. And I think Rudiger is changing to more of a sweeper who plays the last line a little bit. Now, um, that's my take. That's my honest take. Because Carlo is not like a crazy defensive coach who's going to get us pressing. Tuchel was better for sure for Rudiger. But even within that, what I feel is a clear instruction to tell him, hey, like let Militao be the one who hounds the attackers. And if they get past him, you'll be the one to shut him out.
3: Yeah, that's that's why I also think, to be quite honest with you, Rüdiger just hasn't been as good as the Chelsea Rüdiger. Like the one, the Rüdiger we haven't signed, I don't think we've truly seen yet. Um, so that could be perhaps a combination of what Sid mentioned, combination of a different coach, different tactics coming out of a back three, a new lead, um, and just maybe you need some patience with him. I do think he's been a little bit better in 2023. Not to start, maybe like since, I don't know. I maybe in the last like six, seven games. I'd, ha- I'd have to go back and look at the schedule and, and put an action. I agree. We, yeah, starting to, to grow into it. it. Yeah, he's starting to grow into it. Um, today I there was a funny moment that I was like, because like when we were first on Chelsea, it was like all the progressive passing ability. The fact that he was like basically at Chelsea, the Tony Cruz of back of defenders at in the Premier League, he was leading the league in progressive passes, leading the league in uh, accurate long balls, incredible press resistance. But the thing that I was like most excited for him was just the fact that he was a bully and he just tormented players psychologically. I, 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 have, I haven't seen that much of that aspect of it yet from Ludegro, but there was one moment, I don't know if the camera caught it, but he he sprints back, he stops Elliot from a transition attack and he starts beating his chest and he starts screaming at him. I don't know if you guys saw that but it was nice to see kind of him just also getting into it uh, in with Tabinho uh, in the box and I think there was a moment with Van Dyke too if I'm not mistaken so it was nice to see kind of that those battle cries back because that, those are something that I was always hyped about I, I like that stuff I like when Marcelo did it I like when Vinicius goes to proud and gets him amped up I really like that stuff so I hope we can see him go into it more but yeah, Proxina, I don't think he's been as good as his Chelsea Rüdiger really days age yet uh, what was the second question again?
4: Should Vinny take seven?
3: Oh, yeah. Jersey? Yeah,
4: 100%. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much to debate. It's a classic football number. Like, who else we are you going to just
3: get? give it... Hazard should just come out, like, tomorrow and be like, hey, man, I've been thinking about this. Maybe you should just take this. I'll take non- 99 or whatever's left. I'm not really on this team anyway. Uh, I would even be okay with that. He was just taking <laughs> at this point. Over. I'll leave, Give us a number seven that's on the field, man. This is embarrassing. Uh. You yeah,
7: had a and- question. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask you guys. Isn't this a funny coincidence that last year we played the team for the player who was going to be our big signing in the summer, which was supposed to be Kylian Mbappe, and then this year we're playing the team again for the supposedly big signing in the summer, which is Bellingham, who we're going to go against. You know, it'd be so ironic if it ends up the same way where Bellingham signs for Liverpool at the end of the day. It's, it's. I just find that, yeah,
3: yeah. Um- it's just
7: a question, a question.
3: Yeah, I mean, we kind of mentioned this in passing in the podcast too, but like, if, to me, if Bellingham chooses Liverpool, it's because of the fact that he'll play right away. And I'm, I mean, look, if you're signing Bellingham, I assume that you're going to play him at Rams right away too. But it is it is becoming a little bit convoluted because we have so many good midfielders. But yeah, we'll see how that unfolds. Roxina, thanks for joining the show. Thank thanks. you so much. Thanks. All right, we've got a couple more. Nelson Masariego, you there? I'm here, Keon. Awesome. Welcome, me? man. Yeah, we can hear you. Perfect.
6: Perfect. How you guys been? Uh, great. Great. Yep. Great win today. Um, I have just kind of a thing about well, first I'm I'm with Sid. I think this ties over. I know anything can happen in football, but Liverpool aren't the Chelsea that we faced last year. They they're they're not one of those teams this year. They're they're what are they in seventh place in the Premier League. Uh, they're just not that team this year. They like, I, you spoke on the podcast. Um, I can't remember his name, but I think he was a Liverpool fan. You did a podcast with them. Uh, Gosh, I saw they, him
3: today at the stadium and I asked him for his prediction. And he said, I think he said two, nothing Liverpool. So, and I, I have it on camera. So I'm going to post it.
6: <laughs> so they just haven't made the signings. I think the tie is over. Um, but something about, I also agree with you. The league's over. I think I think Barca, if they get past this little injury phase that they have right now with Dembele being out and Pedri being out, they get past this, it's over. There's This is the only chance Real Madrid has to catch up. And, it, I mean, they already won one game against Cadiz this weekend, and it's over. I think the league is over. Real Madrid has to prioritize Champions League because it's the only chance. Um, my question is, who do you think the best matchup would be for us to beat up not not for us to win who's the hardest team that we could get in the next round that that's my question so you're asking the toughest right that like the yeah essentially the whoever's the worst matchup for us whoever whoever is going to give us the be- the like the worst chances of winning
3: um
4: the citizens in my opinion they are they are. What do you think, Keon? I mean, I'll I'll just say Man City, but I'm I want to hear your reasoning and your thoughts first, Keon.
3: Um, I think City are the favorites <clears throat> out of everyone in the competition now. I know they're not even even they have their struggles. There's no question. Um, people are saying Bayern in the chat. I don't disagree with you necessarily. I mean, the thing with Bayern is that it's just always, 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 always against them. It's just so so hard to watch. It's just tormenting. There's guts turning and stomachs upside down. It's so intense with them, and it always goes down to the wire, and you don't know if you're gonna be eliminated or go ahead until the last second. It's so grueling with them. So I will never. I will. I don't really enjoy facing them, but you know we've also beaten them our fair share of time, so that's my, I I going back to the Napoli discussion. I really think they have the potential to just be like this underdog. Like Anyone who's paying attention knows that they're not an underdog, but just they're kind of like this almost flying under the radar. Like, oh, you're not talking about us? Perfect. We'll just come in and do a few uppercuts. I think they have some really, really good weapons in the pack that could that punish you. I'm not saying that they would be the toughest, but I, I don't really want to play them or Bayern or, or City. Who's left yeah. after that?
4: Uh, Chelsea and Tottenham, who are... Yeah. I think actually, which is really, I think that's a fun conversation in and of itself. But Chelsea and Tottenham are both having weird seasons. I actually think Chelsea will be a harder team to play in the Champions League than Tottenham, just because I don't think Antonio Conte has ever set up for a Champions League tie in a way that I was impressed. Whereas maybe Potter will, you know, just a chance. But um, yeah, there aren't that many teams. Those are the big three. I agree with you. Um, like let, let's just say, let's if we were to break down Liverpool before the tie, if I were to, I would say um in the best moment of their season but simultaneously a tactically naive outfit that will probably struggle to impose their will against us because they love pressing playing helter skelter man city the reason i'm scared of them is sort of as we saw again minutes like from halftime to when mares scored that goal in the second leg they really kept the tie under control and then out of nowhere we started pressing winning every second ball and turned it around but they can still do that. and I still believe that they can take Real and totally pass us into submission. And it is great that we have Camavinga, Chuamini, Valverde, and all these young guys. But even with them, they're the only team that I think is technically superior to us. So I think that's a good start. I don't think Bayern are technically superior. I think City are the only team where, possession-wise, they can probably keep more. Now Bernardo's playing left-back. Now that Cancelo's gone, they're going to figure it out. However, with City, they are short. They are short fullbacks. They have Kyle Walker, Rico Lewis, but their center backs are okay. Other than Ruben Diaz, I think every single one of their center backs can be got at. Um, And, you know, they're, they're low on wingers. They're low on dynamic, aggressive players who win second balls and attack the channels from out wide. When is the last time a team won a Champions League without players like that? When like City last season themselves, you could argue were a little short on that profile. And it came totally crashing down on them at the end. They didn't have an outlet, nothing. I think this season, they're more of a parody. And they have just less profiles to attack games in situations where they're uncomfortable. I think it's less likely that they actually dominate possession for a 30-minute spell against Real Madrid the way they did last year. I think they're just shorter. They're more fatigued. Uh, They have Haaland, no doubt. But they're literally more fatigued. Pep himself has said it multiple times. That's the thing. There are people online arguing that City are just as good as previous seasons. No, like everyone internally at Man City will tell you this isn't the team they had last year. So from that standpoint, Bayern under Nagelsmann, I think they're more physically sharp. I think they will sort of attack us, but they're just sharper than Liverpool and City. They haven't had years of grueling title races to go over. They're kind of rejuvenating their team. They have Joao Cancelo now. So Bayern, I think, tactically and physically have the advantage. City tactically have the advantage. Napoli are the dark horse where um, they have the Benz and Vinny of this season. Would you say, Kian Kwicha, and Asimhan, awesome as far as being the breakout stud two forwards who can carry a team on their own?
3: Yeah, um, my only question mark with them is that, you know, what is, is their lack of experience in some way at this stage, you know, once you get to the quarterfinals, semifinals, like, how will they perform at that level? But that that's the only question, the only reason I say that is because we just don't know, you know, so we got to see it but they're amazing. Um, the weird thing about Bayern is that they're so dominant in that league, but still somehow tied in first place with two other teams. Like, they have 61 goals, only 21 against, by far the best offense, by far the best defense, yet they're just drawing so many games. They're just yeah. so many games where they just drop two points. They've mm-hmm. dropped, they've done that seven times, they've they've dropped two points. Um, they're obviously vulnerable, Yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I guess I'm the only one left on this chat, uh, along with Nader and maybe Shay, who think that this tie is not over yet. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I, mean, uh, I don't think any team will tactically
4: test us as much as last season. Out of the remaining teams, I don't even think Bayern can test. I think no. Byron's-
3: last year, by default, will be way harder than this year if we if we are able to to pull it off. Ah, yep.
5: uh,
3: thank you, Nelson. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Kian. Uh, All right, we're gonna, one more question. We got Ola Wapamimo, Ola Dunjoy. Are you there?
8: Yeah, I am.
3: Awesome, awesome.
8: Welcome. Uh, Welcome everyone. Hope you are having a good day, good night, wherever you are. And yeah, Hala Madrid. I am very excited about the outcome of this game and what it means for, I think, the most important thing is kind of the boost. I do feel like this. I got this vibe from everybody, all the players after the game, that they were quite excited and somewhat surprised as well that they were able to do this to this Liverpool team. Don't get me wrong, Liverpool are not in the best of positions, but I get this vibe from Liverpool, from Manchester, from Bayern, is that once Champions League kicks in, they're a different team. They're a different team. They can have, they can be playing, losing every single game, but when it comes to Champions League they just play differently. And I get that vibe. I don't know. It's just that winning mentality vibe. And that's why a lot of us have, we have similar qualities to the Liverpool buy-in and the Manchester United. And if you actually look at it in a larger perspective, we also trade players individually between the, each team. Like a lot of buy members go to Madrid. A lot of yeah. Madrid guys go to Liverpool. Liverpool go to Madrid. Liverpool, Madrid goes to Manu. You get the point. So... I guess I'm really just excited for that. But I think one thing I do want to ask the question is, what happens with Rodrigo? Because if Rodrigo got tackled and then he went down, I probably wouldn't be too, like, um, worried. But he literally just stopped playing. Like, I saw him during the game raise up his hands to ask for the sub. So he kind of said that, like, yeah, I can't do any more than what I'm doing. So, like, how do you guys think this is going to impact Madrid, especially because, let's be real, Benzema is not 100%. We can all see that, like, yeah, he scored two goals today, but he's not still at 100%. So, how does that affect our team going forward?
3: I actually have no idea what the Rodrigo, uh, Rodrigo update is.
4: I'm looking into it as well. Um,
8: so they say he had the overload on his, um in, one, in the muscle. I don't know which muscle it was, but it was like an overload and he's a doubt for the Let's Go Madrid game. They didn't mention any mm-hmm. other game, but he said the Let's Go Madrid game, he's probably not going to play.
4: Mm-hmm. Left glue overload. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I see it now. Um, you know, for sure, that's a blow. Rodrigo was incredible. Um, I a left glue overload. I hope it's not the end of the world. Non-contact injuries aren't the best, but um, you have to let it play out. The The news seems favorable, where it's like, you know, at most he's probably back for the second leg, I would imagine. Back for a Barcelona game or two, hopefully. Um, Yeah, he is a doubt for Sunday, though. Yeah, I didn't notice that. And um, for sure, good point.
3: Yeah, I didn't really know what was happening at the time because I I didn't have any replays in the stadium to see, like, what happened. I didn't even know until you just mentioned it right now, to be honest, that... um. That, that was the, the manner in which he got injured and it wasn't like a tackle or something, but uh it would be a huge blow. Now if if he's like doubtful for the derby, that might be a good sign that, that they worded it like that. And just in the sense that he may play the derby if he and he may not. And if he doesn't, it's probably not a long-term thing. Yeah, you you need him for a couple of reasons. One is that um he provides you with insurance and rest and not having to overplay other players in the attack. He can play the Benzema role, play on the right wing, left wing. Um, But also, this is this is something I always say, and it's harsh, but it's how I genuinely feel. I just, like, if we have to go into, like, any of these Champions League big games with Asensio instead of Rodrigo, that worries me. Yeah. Uh, I just trust Rodrigo way more in that situation. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it's nothing serious. I guess I we'll think- know more tomorrow, but... I think from the perspective that
4: we're not going to win the league, Asensio and Alvaro will make do in the league. I think um, I think if anything, that kind of sure. screws up the league chances. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I Asensio in any other game, you know, he's fine. But just in these big games, I don't trust him to show up.
2: <clears throat>
8: I guess the only thing I was going to highlight for that Rodrigo missing is I've realized that we do really need to rest, rest of Vinny. Yeah. Like, we are... We are chancing it right now. And if something big happens to Vinny, that's our season done, I'm sorry. But if something big happens to Vinny, our season is done. So I think the only way I see Vinny getting time to actually just rest is Rodrigo being available to play on the left um, left side of the pitch. So that's the only concern I really had.
4: Yeah, yeah. I'm not as concerned about resting, Vinny, in that I don't know, the young guy can just burn through the season one more and we'll figure it out later. But I agree. I like there's a limited number of like minutes where players are going to be absolutely 100% and you know you risk burning that away by playing him again and again. You risk injury for sure. Um I think it's cool that we're talking about Rodrigo this way. Like the dude's incredible. He's just such a good <laughs> football player that like we legitimately worry if he gets a little overload, but um yeah, it's beautiful. The ball just sticks to his leg. That's something that it just surprises me. He has,
8: I personally think he has one of the best like ball controls in our team. It just yeah. sticks to his leg in every single situation. And that is, is heaven sent.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, I have a little, I have a conflicting opinion with, uh, compared to you, Sid, in terms of I would, I think Vinny does need to rest more. Um, I think it was a godsend that he had to miss that match versus, was it Elche or was it the one before that, after that? I don't yeah. Remember. Yeah, uh, I think that was great. So I was really mad in that Majorca game because it was like everything was against them. The ref, the, you know, the Maffeo, the, the uh, center back whose name I don't even remember anymore. That's how irrelevant he is. But it's uh, but then I saw like even the yellow card because it was like when he did one thing, he got a yellow and then they were doing everything. They weren't getting yellow. But then I saw misses next match. And I'm like, hmm. take it i think i'll take it because this is literally the only way he'll rest and we got to see rodrigo play left wing which is extremely rare it's like a solar eclipse at this point because vinicius doesn't rest so you'll never play left wing i i I would like to see him rest more but yeah let's hope that rodrigo's diagnosis is much better tomorrow let's let's see what happens usually the next morning it changes we'll see thank you so much thank you all right man it was a pleasure all right, guys. So, uh, what are we at? Like over two hours in now. I gotta catch. I gotta catch a train in three hours. I think. Gotta start the process. I'm um, not sleeping tonight. But I did want to just say, said I just looking over my notes. So there's a one or two things maybe just quickly I'll mention that I don't think we talked about. One is um. Tao after the first goal that we conceded, where he could have done better. I thought he was phenomenal. Yes. Thought he was really really good. Um. Just the reading of the game was masterful from him. him. His long ball diagonal switches continue to be good. Um, The other one, uh, on the goal that Benzema scored, not the deflection one, the other one, where uh, Mortage does the PSG run, it was really good. My voice is starting to go out now. It was a really good composure when he receives the ball from Benzema and he just looks up. He could have, I think a lot of strikers would have taken that first time, but he just completely bamboozled Allison and then took it around him. And then at that position, I think a lot of players would have just shot it. There was three Liverpool players covering the net. He placed the top left corner to make sure uh, that's got to be, I feel like it's almost an underrated goal. No, for sure. I'm watching
4: that goal, and I'm like, everyone's gonna say Liverpool suck. Everyone's gonna sit, look at XG. But like, what the hell? This dude just knew to like rip past Allison and place it with his weak foot into the corner. It's a weak foot that got me. It's like left foot over the defenders. Beautiful. Um Yeah, that was a phenomenal finish. That wasn't that that moment was like, oh Kareem, like that's you. Like that's the stuff that only you do. Um, I loved it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. This is good. It's really great sign to see Benzema uh, right now scoring open play goals. We need them. Uh, everyone counts. All right, guys, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Um, as I said, we're gonna do the Zoom call weekly now, every week, uh, regardless of if there's a big game or not. Of course, the big game will guarantee a big audience like this one, and I'll fix the Zoom call- Zoom thing. But we'll uh, we'll do one every week. So please hop on. It's it's really fun connecting with you guys. If there's not a game, we might try to do it a little bit earlier because I think a lot of people would like to join, but they're like it's like 4 a.m. where they are, or just they can't join. So we'll try to we'll experiment with different times and see what we come up with. But uh Lucas and I will be back on Thursday for mailbag. Tomorrow I'm gonna sleep for I think 12, 15 hours, maybe we'll see. And uh and then Friday, we're gonna do a preview for the Atletico game. Uh, yeah. So thanks so much, guys. Let's do a let's do a quick sign off with everybody. We'll unmute everyone's microphone and scream and then end the call. OK. Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. Take care. Have a great night.
6: Thank you.